This is Transmission, a bilingual digital marketing podcast presented by Alphaco Marketing and Media. Hello, hello, and welcome to Transmission. I'm joined yet again by uh, my esteemed colleague, Juan Pablo Osorio. Juan Pablo, I'm going to have to start coming up with more creative ways to introduce you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Coming live and direct with our to our audience uh, here from Chicago. Doing well, brother. How are you? I'm doing really well, man. What what takes you out to Chicago? And I'm doing a um, a conference. I'm part of an organization called Bunker Labs. Yep. And um, I've been now three and a half years, and it's a network of veteran entrepreneurs. For me, it's been a support group. I get to bounce ideas. I get to see people that might be ahead of me a couple of years and that have been in business 15, 20 years and also get to mentor some that are just getting started. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we've talked a lot about, about Bunker Labs. And in fact, Iron Mike Stedman, he's from Bunker Labs as well, the gentleman who kind of helped us get our start podcasting. Is that right? Yes, yes. I just saw him for the past few days, uh, one of my Marine brothers. Oh, very cool. And I know we've worked with a lot of other Bunker Labs partners and people you've met through there as well. It's been a really cool organization for you and, and for Alphaco as well. Yeah, yeah. Some of um, Bunker Labs members have become our clients. And um, yeah, I give them a shout out, big shout out to Bunker Labs for doing what they do. Veterans come out of the military and a quarter of them want to start a business, but only 5% get to do that. When I was looking for organizations that focus on veterans who, who are in business, this was it. And like I said, I've been part of it for over three years now, and we've been able to fly to different cities a couple of times a year. This time we're in Chicago. As soon as I landed, the weather was amazing. Went on a boat ride in the, in the Michigan River or lake here. Coming from Texas, where it's 110, and coming to Chicago, where it's 70 degrees. Yeah, we're getting heat warnings every day. Here feels good. Here feels good, but you could tell people have trauma from the winter. Sure, I, be I believe that. <laughs> yeah. No, Bunker Labs has been a great program. I remember when, you know, back in the, the days of the pandemic, we were really fortunate where we had some some shared space at WeWork because of Bunker Labs, which was awesome. And so really appreciate the work you do there and everything that they do as well. Um in Chicago, it makes me think, not to, to change subjects too rapidly here, but it makes me think of like Memo's Hot Dogs. Have you been able to check out any of the, the Juntos Crisimos restaurants while you were there? Yeah, I wanted to go see them. Probably uh, go today to check out Memo's. I saw, uh, but on Google Maps, I have a mark. I have Angelo's and Memo's. And, and I think Prime Tacos is out that way as well. Yeah. Yes, yes. Very, very cool. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm jealous. There's It's such a good food city, Chicago. Really an amazing place to eat. Maybe I should save this for later in the pod, but I've been watching and I know the second season of a show called The Bear just came out and it's all about Chicago. And so it makes me think, Makes me think of Chicago and Chicago food all the time. Man, really good food. Deep dish pizza that's like five pounds of cheese per slice, but it's so good. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Well, I I wanted to, to jump into today's topic. I, I was already getting ahead of myself trying to, to end the pod before it had already began talking about our, our cool marketing pop culture. But this week, we wanted to dig a little bit deeper on a topic we've talked uh, quite a bit about 
kind of tangentially throughout the last five weeks. And I think that topic is, is SEO. What is it? You know, and SEO stands for search engine optimization. We've touched on it today. We're really going to dig deep into the do's and don'ts of, of good SEO. How can you execute on a successful SEO strategy for your business, for your website? Before we did that, I wanted to introduce the topic a little bit. So what is SEO? You know, SEO is an acronym for search engine optimization. What does that really mean? Well, in the past, there may have been an argument to be made that SEO could work for multiple search engines. When we say SEO today, what we're really saying is how nicely do you play with Google? Right. Are you showing up for search results when you type a term into Google? So the idea of SEO is really the successful marriage of how your customers would find you. So what terms are they using to search for you? You, the business or the website owner, making sure that you successfully written to or communicated those terms on your website. And then the third party there is Google and Google facilitates the interaction between the two of you. So one of the things that really what is good SEO, SEO is really the ability to write in a way that your customers can find you, but also that Google knows to promote you for those customers looking for you. So how do we do that? Well, that's where we get into the do's and the don'ts of good SEO. And I know that today, Juan Pablo, you were gonna start us off with our, our first one. Um, this is a series that we're gonna do called the uh, the five o'clock five. The idea is that it's, it's five o'clock somewhere. So let's go through a, a, a quick list of five things that we can do to, to maybe get to five o'clock a little bit earlier because things are going so well. So with that, Juan Pablo, why don't you, you kick us off with our first do and don't? Yeah, so SEO is one of our favorite topics. For example, AlphaCo, we focus on bilingual SEO, where we do in English and Spanish. So if people are looking for your services, they can find you. Um, part of the SEO strategy is to write blogs or articles on your website on the same topic based on your services. We call these keywords. What you want to do is write multiple blogs on the same topic. An example is if you are a doctor who provides implants, we want to write a lot of articles that focus on that keyword. What you don't want to do is just write one article about implants. That's going to be very hard to rank you on top of Google. Google rewards content creators who have consistency. So we want to write multiple blogs consistently in a frequent basis, whether it's once a week, twice a week, on the same topic, hitting it from different angles. On the implant example, you can write implant doctor in Houston. The next week you can write uh, five tips for people who are getting ready to do an implant, five case studies of implant, why, how to take care of your implants post-surgery or once you get the treatment done post-procedure. So you want to write a content plan over a period of six months and longer. You know, you just plan ahead, but you want to hit the same topic with similar keywords, similar services, but not write the same thing. You want to hit it from different angles, but you don't want to just write it one time and leave it alone. It's not going to rank you. But if you continue to write valuable content that people are reading on the same topic with a similar keyword with varied um, information on the same topic, this is the do. You know, why don't you tell us the, the don't for, for um, multiple blogs on the same topic? You know, I think for every every yin, there's a, a yang. And, and I think that we want to 
kind of communicate that line we're trying to straddle. So I know like we definitely want to write a lot of blogs on the same topic. You know, why is it bad to just write one per topic, right? Like why, why should we not just write one? Why should we make sure we write multiples? Is Google not picking that up? Like what's happening that one isn't sufficient, I think is a good question. Like I mentioned earlier, consistency, frequency, and valuable content are key here. If you just write one blog over a period of a year, you're gonna have one page that's talking on the topic. And while there's competitors who might end up, if they're writing two blogs a month, they might have 48 blogs on the same topic from different angles. So just writing one article about it, it's not going to work out as far as content strategy. Gotcha. So uh, what I'm what I'm hearing and I, what I think we want to communicate to the audience is that like writing one blog, it'll it'll raise your profile for that topic a little bit, but it'll never have Google or have the end user convinced that you're an expert on that topic. What you want to do is you want to write multiple pieces of content, multiple blogs about one topic, because that begins to present you as the expert in that field. And ultimately google wants to promote the expert not the amateur is that right yes correct correct absolutely cool very cool i i think that that actually is a nice little segue to the next do and don't which which i'll provide and and i wanted to say i think we're going to talk about some terms here today um like keywords for example there will be future pods on these in fact i think we're going to do a keyword pod here coming up not to give away the schedule um but with that the next do's and don'ts of our our five o'clock five here is do use your keyword in your article um so what does that mean what do i mean by a keyword well you know in juan pablo in your example you use the keyword implant um i think that that's that's a nice example to use here so how would we use our keyword in our article? Well, like you said, you would have it in the title, you know, top five ways to take care of your, your implant over time. Um, you know, tips and tricks for getting through airport security with an implant. Um, those are all cool article ideas that you might use. But then as you're actually writing that piece of content, you want to write approximately 500 words. And then you actually want the, your keyword to show up two or three times across that content, but not a whole lot more and not a whole lot less. So with that, our don't is don't overuse your keyword. You know, Google will pick up if you you know, let's say you wanted your keyword to be implant and then you published an article and it just said implant 500 times. Google's not going to promote that. Google is actually pretty smart in how they how they read these articles. What they're actually looking for is a human being who has written this and in a way that a human being can read. So one of the best tips that I give people when I'm talking about SEO, when I'm talking about keyword research is be yourself, be natural and don't think that technology is that much vastly different than if you were just amongst your, your your group of friends, right? Like if I were, if I wanted a friend to read an article about implants, they wouldn't get any benefit from an article that said implant 500 times. Same thing, they wouldn't get any benefit from an article that starts every sentence with the word implant. It needs to be readable, it needs to be legible, it needs to be something that, you know, content that people actually want to inter to engage with. The best way to do that is use your keyword, but don't overuse it. Juan Pablo, what's our, our next on our five o'clock five here? The do's is make sure you have calls to action on your content. This is a fundamental element on your articles, on your blog post. People are reading about your services, 
they might be looking for the closest provider that can provide that service for them on this example sticking to the implant example if I, if i'm a person looking for an implant and i'm going on your website i should find articles multiple articles that talk about implant i'm not looking for somebody that does teeth cleaning although that might be a service that you provide i'm not looking for a regular dentist i'm looking specifically for a doctor a dentist that is qualified and certified and that I can trust based on the way they present themselves on, on the topic, which right now, for example, is implant. Calls to action, as I'm reading the blog and I, I'm trusting the practice that I'm looking at, somewhere in the page there should be a button that says call us now or a, a contact form that says schedule your free consultation. And this should be sprinkled in a nice the sign, you know, keeping the sign in, in user experience in mind, we should have easy to access contact buttons, fill up forms, a schedule now appointment, visit office, you know, you choose your call to action and sprinkle it. One good tip is that we put a, at the top of the page and every time somebody scrolls, like you shouldn't go too much scrolling without seeing a call to action button. So a blog, you can write it, you should, you should write it into different paragraphs, add photos with the keywords, and along the journey, there should be different, are you ready for an implant now? Call us now. And that allows the customer, whether they're reading on mobile or they're on their desktop, to take that action. You know, we want to take them from the intention of just reading to actually becoming a lead for your business. And that's the importance of the call to action button. It nudges, psychologically nudges the user to make a physical and actual contact to the business, which at the end of the day, for most businesses, this is what the value of the blog is at. People making a phone call, people filling up a form, people going and setting up a calendar appointment to physically come into the office for that consultation. You know, I think it's worth mentioning here is that a, a call to action on your website is really what makes your website unique from other forms of media. You know, if, if people just wanted to come and learn, that's great, right? But they could also just buy a book. You know, I mean, we wrote a book on this. So if somebody really just wanted to learn, they might just go pick up the book. The value of a website is that you can you can help guide people through a story that you're telling and then help guide them to the next action that they should take. Sometimes that's learn more. You know, sometimes that's click on the next blog article because they need to dig a little bit deeper. Sometimes that's reach out to schedule an initial consultation. Sometimes it's give us a call so that you can, you know, talk to a real human being. Whatever the case may be, the like much of the real power of a website is the ability for the end user to actually interact with you directly. Again, otherwise, take it offline, ship them a book, let them read a, a, a journal or a periodical or a magazine, because without those calls to action, that's effectively what it is. So we really want to make sure that your your website, any website that you have, has those calls to action, has that interactability to not only hold the end user's attention, but also to achieve the desired goal, which is some sort of next step. Hopefully the end result is that they work with you. What, what's kind of the, the, the yin to that yang? What's the, the don't there for your, your number two, Juan Pablo? Yeah, so, you know, recently I had a, a, a prospect ask me, well, can we publish 100 pages on the same topic at once? 
And this is the don't. Do not publish too many pages in a short amount of time. The Google algorithm, they have AI, artificial intelligence behind their algorithm. And they know when you're trying to spam the internet. So what you want to do is a content plan over a period of months and publish consistently. Every Tuesday, every Thursday, you have an article being posted. But if you try to put your whole content plan on the same week, you, uh, Google can flag you for a spam. So write, do plan out your content, but be frequent about it. Do not just publish it all at once. This is probably going to backfire. And the Google indexes pages. like They verify that this page is good, is valuable to the internet, and it's going to be showing up on Google results. If Google flags your website, then these pages will not even be considered to show up on Google. So you might have published 50 blogs at once, but they're not going to show up. They're just going to exist in the back of your website just with like no no highway to they're they're not part of the internet so you're saying you could even like undo some good work that you had done because instead of writing like a human being you started writing you know like you're using ai or you're publishing 50 articles in one day nobody does that and that can actually undo some of the good work that you had done yes yes this and we've proven this to be a real concept so the big thing here is don't just try to spam Google with a bunch of content all at once. Mm -hmm. Make your content strategy, be consistent, be frequent. Uh, Google rewards those who provide frequent and consistent content. Uh, you can write one blog a day. That's not too often. But what you don't want to do is publish your whole content strategy in one day. Got it. All right. The next one we wanted to talk a little bit about today uh, is, is meta descriptions. So we are big fans of meta descriptions. Um, what is a meta description? That is basically a, a really brief summary of the web page. So if you've ever Googled something and you're ever kind of going through the Google results, you might see the top two or three underneath the result has a little description of what you're about to see or what you're about to click into. That is the meta description. These are, are great. They really, really do help people. It not only helps Google promote your content to the correct person, it also helps the end user actually understand that this is the right article for them. You know, there could, for example, going back to that implant example, be two different articles, both about implant care, and one could be for dentists and one could be for medical. Within that, you know, I'm I'm not a physician, but I do know a little bit about implants. There's many, many different types of implants. So what does that meta description do? Well, that meta description is going to help the end user differentiate between those various implant articles and find the one that is actually most relevant to them without having to click through every single one of them. So meta descriptions are really, really powerful for converting people who do find you. They're also really powerful for helping you stand out amongst a crowd of websites that may they all have similar information. If they don't have that meta description, they're not going to show up. We can go even deeper there. You can make sure that you describe all of your images, make sure they're all correctly titled. There's a ton that you can do, but the idea is the more we are communicating to Google what should be communicated to the end user, the better off Google's going to be at promoting our content correctly. That kind of rolls nicely into the don't here, which is 
don't get overly spammy or robotic with your writing. We've already hit this a little bit, you know, don't say implant 500 times and consider that an article. But this is where I really wanna talk about, again, that Google is the intermediary. It is the facilitator for humans finding humans. At the end of the day, yes, there are websites, there is technology that sits in between this process. But ultimately, what we are attempting to do, what we are trying to achieve, is for humans to connect with other humans. Google knows this, and so what it is actually looking for is articles or writing, not that's great for the Google algorithm, but that's great for the human who's gonna read it at the end of the line. So really, if you write good content that is intended to be read by another human being and you put it on your website, that is one of the best things you can do for Google and for your SEO results is actually just writing really great legible content. Yes, pay attention to keywords. Yes, make sure that you have calls to action there. We want all of these elements on that that article. However, if it's just a really well-written article that focuses on a topic, chances are Google's gonna recognize that and is gonna promote it, and then more people are gonna read it, and as more people read it, Google's gonna promote it more. If you have a you know an article that, yeah, technically has all the keywords, but doesn't have punctuation in the right place, or just says the same thing different ways 15 times, nobody's gonna continue reading that, and so ultimately, it will get downvoted. So don't, don't try and game the system. Try and write articles that are meaningful to your end user. Uh, I, I think those are two really big do's and don'ts there that go really nicely together, which is, yeah, meta descriptions, all of this information is awesome, but what we wanna focus on is giving as much good detail to the end consumer as possible. What's next one, Pablo? This is a really nice tip, and this is something that we implement in um, most of our pages, but there's a way to do uh, the do is make sure you have an easy clickable call to action or callous button that's floating on your website and floating is a feature of a website that as you scroll down and you're reading the article and you're finding out more you will see the top menu bar stays on the page or the bottom of the page and it makes it easy this floating bar allows the customer to easily uh, make a phone call when they're ready to make that action look go through your menu but um we really try to implement a button that stands out it has a a different color from the rest of the content with your call to action for this example we're going to use colors or colors now this floating bar I'm, I'm reading articles i'm looking at the photos i see testimonials okay i'm ready it should be as very easy as me sliding my thumb across my mobile phone to make a quick phone call or make an appointment or talk to a human to find out more information. You want this to stand out, again, in a different color, and you want it to be easy, a flick away, a push away uh, for, for the consumer to take that action and, and call. Juan Pablo, I wanna address what I think is probably a question people are having right now, like how does a call us button help SEO? And I think this is where it's important for us to say that SEO is not just words on a page. Um, it's not just backlinks, it's not just website dis, you know, construction. It's an amalgamation of all of these things. It's a, it's a stew of all of the different elements of your website, all of the ways people are interacting with you online that ultimately then help you be promoted to the first or the second um, result for, you know, for a term. 
Um, how does call us fit into that? Well, the more people interact with your web page when they find you, the deeper they go into your website once they've clicked on a link. Google knows this and tracks this. And every time somebody clicks through your website after clicking on a link, Google is saying, okay, we gave them the right result. We took them where they wanted to be. So much so that now they're calling that business. That means that we, Google, did a good job. So we're gonna make sure that this website is number one because people went there and they didn't just go there and leave. They went there and they interacted with the page. They interacted with the business. That to us, Google, is a sign of success. So we'll continue to promote that. That's why something like a call us or a contact us button, it still is relevant and important to SEO. Is that right? Yes, yes. Google tracks the consumer from the moment they type a keyword on the search bar to the moment they go to the page. And if they take an action like hit the call us button, then it gives you relevance. If people go into your article, they go to the bottom of the page or they just read the first paragraph and they bounce out and they go to another website, then Google starts marking this website as it might not be relevant because they didn't read it. They just left the page. If there is no call us button and it's not pressed, then Google might think that this page might not be what the customer is looking for. So we want, we do want the whole interaction from the keyword being typed on the Google search bar to your website being visited to the call us button being clicked. Google will say, this was a match. Let's show it again. Let's put it on the top of the page because it's relevant to the end user. Absolutely. And uh, the don't, the, uh, the, the last don't I have over here in regards to this is do not use AI to write blog content. Do not depend on the AI to just bust out some articles and keywords. Google's algorithm can see this, even though you cannot, you may not, you may just be able to see words on the screen. There's a code that can carry behind the words that developers can see, and certainly Google can too. You can use AI to grab ideas, you know, go on AI and get you your, your idea generation, but you want to be able to provide valuable human written content to put on your website. Don't just copy and paste it straight from the AI and think that that's going to rank you at the top. Yeah, absolutely. And I, here again, I just would reframe back to Google is an intermediary that is supposed to facilitate human connection. It can feel very inhuman. It can feel very, very, very much as if you're just, you know, it's website to website, it's browser to browser, but really the intent is to help humans find things that find things that help them in their everyday lives so you know ai content ultimately google doesn't think that it does that google thinks that you know we're not trying to match you up with an ai i'm trying to match you up with the human so that you can go and buy something or you can do something it really is attempting to mimic real life online um you know, popularity matters. If you think about the internet like high school, you probably aren't too far off. Uh, you know, if you were in high school and you showed up, you know, every day and your mom dressed you, uh, people are gonna start figuring that out, right? And same thing with writing AI content. If somebody else is writing that content, Google's gonna figure that out and they're not gonna wanna work with you anymore. So same general idea here. Um, all right, last one. I know we called this the five o'clock five. It is in fact the, the five o'clock six. Um, the six o'clock six just doesn't have the same ring to it. Um, last tip, a little bit more about offsite SEO here is just link to your website elsewhere. What do I mean by that? Well, if you have any partners that you work with, ask them to link to your website on their website. 
you can do the same. You know, it could be as simple as writing a blog saying, these are the partners we work with, this is why we like them, linking to their website and then asking them to do the same thing for you. Another great example of this is anytime you post anything on social media, make sure that you put your website there. Anytime, you know, when you create your Google My Business, absolutely, 100%, make sure that your website is there. If there's other relevant listing sites, please, please, please make sure that your website is there. If, like us, you do a podcast in the description to the podcast, make sure that you link to your website. All of these things build backlinks. All of this is kind of communicating to Google like, oh, hey, they're a good citizen. They're around. People like them. People are linking to them. They're linking to other people. They're a part of this online internet ecosystem. So let's promote them. You know, if you're, say, a new website and you have a ton of great content all about, you know, implants, but no other website on the internet links to you, no other website on the internet says that you're a reliable source, Google's going to look at you and they're going to say, you're not a reliable source. Um, we don't see anybody else on the internet giving you authority or lending their credibility to you. So we aren't going to, you know, call you credible until somebody else does that. Kind of think about putting your, a link to your website somewhere else and vice versa as just having partners who will vouch for your credibility. The more partners you have online vouching for your credibility, the more likely you are to be, you know, top of a search result. Um, finally, the last thing, I think we've talked about this a lot. It is my, my last don't here, but I think it is really one of the single most important things we're gonna say today. Do not forget about the end user. Google is not your end user. Um, being on top of a search result is great, but if that is the only goal, you will almost certainly never achieve it. The only way to truly achieve your SEO goals is to consider who your customer is, how your customer thinks, what they want, and then write content catered and tailored to them. Please make sure that you consider in everything you do, what is the end user looking for? Does the end user want a call to action that says call us or do they want a call to action that says learn more? Think about this in everything that you do. Think about this in the content that, the, that you write, in the keywords that you choose because this is who's using the website. This is who Google is paying attention when they choose or don't choose to promote your website more on SEO. Uh, it is the end user. It is their behavior that's going to affect how successful you are on this SEO journey. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about here with SEO, just because I realized that we got this far and we never said why SEO, why do we like SEO? What makes SEO better than digital ads? What makes SEO better than any other, than social media, than any other type of online advertising or online marketing out there? Well, for us, it's trustworthiness and it's that it's organic. The consumer still trusts an SEO result more than they trust an ad. If you find something on SEO, you are more likely to believe that it is the content that you are looking for and then to purchase from it than if you are served an ad. Secondly, um, SEO builds upon itself over time. We get what we call the snowball effect, the virtuous cycle, whatever that is. On day one, the first blog that you publish, you're not gonna get a whole lot of traction. By blog 10, you're gonna get probably more than 10 times as much traction as you got from the first blog. Blog 100, same thing. It's no longer going to be, you know, it's not gonna stay a 10X return. The more you do, the longer you do it, you will start experiencing exponential growth because let's say the third spot on Google is 
less than half as valuable as the second spot and so on and so forth. The higher you climb up to the top of Google rankings for any term that you are trying to rank for, the more successful you are going to be for that term. And so it builds on itself over time. If you were doing ads in the same way, well, the more successful your ads are, the more you're going to have to pay for your ads. With SEO, if your SEO is successful over time, you do not have to continue to pay more for that success. That success builds on itself. You are trustworthy, so you are promoted. On and on and on it goes. And then the more trustworthy you are, the more people visit your site, the more trustworthy you are. So SEO creates the snowball effect of virtuous cycle, something that you can build on, something that you can start today that's going to pay off tomorrow, but going to pay off even more in a week or in a month or in six months or in a year. So Start your SEO journey sooner rather than later because the longer you do it, it does have compound interest, the more successful it's going to be for you. Um, all right, with that, we always like to end Transmission with a little bit of a conversation about what pop culture we're engaging with lately, what's kind of piqued our interest, what's made us think about marketing. Juan Pablo, what about you, man? What have you been thinking about engaging with this week? So I recently took my son to watch Spider-Man. Across the Spider-Verse, really amazing movie. Absolutely, what a movie. I didn't think it was gonna be like as good as it was. I was in the edge of my seat the whole time. And um, yeah, I, you know, thinking of Spider-Man as SEO, you know, in, in this movie they have, no, no, no spoilers, but they have many different Spider-Mans as we've known in the previous movie. And uh, it's like now if you were to write articles about Spider-Man, you and if you were to write about every Spider-Man that shows up in the movie, you end up with a lot of content hitting with the, with the same keyword, Spider-Man this, Spider-Man that, Spider-Man from that universe. And this would really increase the content strategy um, based on how much you can write about on the same topic from a different angle as opposed to just writing the same old Peter Parker. But yeah, amazing movie. Highly recommend people uh, check it out. And um, I love New York. So there was a lot of references in New York about New York in there. For sure. Places that I've been to in Brooklyn. Um, so yeah, highly recommended. Great soundtrack, great action, and great storyline. Yeah, I, I think my favorite thing about those movies, those the, the two animated Spider-Man movies in particular, I think they really understand who their audience is. Um, you know, you and I were grown men. Uh, <laughs> we are probably not the the ideal audience for Spider-Man. I still really like Spider-Man, but I don't think that it makes a lot of sense to, you know, tell the story of 40-year-old Spider-Man. Um, one of the, again, kind of to your point about Spider-Man and SEO, I think that these Spider-Man movies, they have something for everybody, right? They've considered who who is the audience. You know, they have... Peter B. Parker, who is who's for me, you know, the old washed up Spider-Man. I sympathize with that guy a great deal. He's a dad now. He's not trying to go out there and, you know, sling his web um, anymore. Uh, hard to not make bad metaphors when talking about Spider-Man and web slinging. Um, but they really did understand that there is a, a diverse group of people who like Spider-Man, a huge audience out there. And I think they did a really good job of communicating to those audiences emotionally right it's not come see spider-man because he's gonna blow stuff up in new york or he's gonna 
you know, swing across a lot of buildings and it's going to look cool. It's go see Spider-Man because Miles Morales has a really heartwarming story about family that's really going to help you. You know, it's going to remind you of your family and it's going to you're going to be able to empathize with it. And I think that's one of the things that movie did really, really, really well. Um, my piece of pop culture that I've been engaging with, I guess it's blown up on TikTok, though that's not how I found it. Uh, and if I've talked about this before, I apologize, but it is a show called Jury Duty. It has been on my mind ever since I saw it. Um, it is kind of a Truman Show-esque story where, and I, I don't, I'm not really giving anything away. They tell you this in the first episode, but basically everybody's an actor except one guy. They convince one guy that he has real jury duty and there are a number of actors, you know, there's a number of people on his jury list. He doesn't know any of them are actors. And they just kind of put this guy through a number of crazy scenarios. Um, and you kind of get to see what happens and how he he reacts. Um, I think it's a really cool piece of storytelling. I think that it actually has a really soft heart at the center of it. I think that they, they kind of treat the guy at the center really, really well. But my interesting takeaway is the power of a good story. You know, this guy believes that he, despite these kind of crazy things happening and some real really unreal things happening. Uh, he believed this story. He went along for the ride. And you listen to the creators talk about it. Why did they do that? Like, why Why did he do that? How did that happen? They had something called the reality bank. And so they understood that this wasn't a real thing. There was a lot of fake, crazy things happening. But in order for that to stay believable, they had to have a ton of basically boring, mundane things happen so that this gentleman stayed engaged in, in the ruse, right? And to me, that is really the power of a good story. If you sit and you watch what you think is a real trial for four hours a day, you don't think anybody's going to do a real four hour a day trial and then at the end of it, do something crazy. So you believe that that's all real. Um, I'm not sure how, how to put a perfect bow on this other than to say that a really convincing, really well told story uh, is oftentimes more believable than the truth. Right. I'm not suggesting you lie, but I, I, I do think that if we understand the power of good emotional storytelling, of good, believable storytelling, we also better understand how to motivate people, how to encourage people to engage with us online, how to interact with us. If we sell a story of a, you know, think of the story of, of two companies. One company has been around for, you know, a couple of years and is really growing. The other company has been around for 10 years and just had to do layoffs. Which company do you want to work with more? right? Probably the story of growth. Storytelling is important. Who you are, how you position yourself is all part of the marketing stew. Telling a good story is does encourage people to engage with and interact with you and like you. Um, that's all I've got for today. Juan Pablo, did you have anything you wanted to add before we, we go to the outro here, bud? I mean, you reminded me of something in film that is called the suspension of disbelief. And it's if you're telling a good story, people would suspend their disbelief to they want to be in the story they they want to believe it people want to be entertained and they put that aside and if you make a mistake on a on a plot or the you know you're not telling a good story people will check out and they will start disbelieving um, it seems like these producers did an amazing job at keeping their wall going the suspension of disbelief yeah i need to check it out i think that's really cool and like when i think about how we got started, for example, you know, some of our first clients were people, you know, we were really open. Hey, we're getting started. Help us get started together. And what you do is you make them a part of your story, 
right? And so now they're more engaged, more involved with what you're doing because they're a part of your story of success. And so that stuff does, it, it really matters. It's really impactful. Uh, how you tell your story affects how people see you and how they interact with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's been a pleasure uh, to be here with you today and our audience. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, if you want to check us out, please like and subscribe on, on Spotify. You can also check us out on, on the web at alphacomarketing.com. Um, this has been Graham and Juan Pablo in Transmission. Thank you, guys. See you.